Hey guys, thank you for joining us online today. We, we literally have people from all over the world, many different countries and uh, all states in the United States almost. Uh, people join in and watch us online and we're honored uh, that you watch us and we really hope that today through the Word of God, He does some incredible things in your life and, and literally awakens some things in your soul about who He is. And now, what we don't want is we don't want this to be your total church experience. Church is not meant to be virtual, uh, it's meant to be lived in community. And so therefore, we want you to plug in uh, to a physical church where there's real people. And so if you live in our Middle Tennessee area, we would love to have you to become involved in one of our campuses. If you'll get online at lifepointchurch.org, we uh, will, there you will find all the information you can find on any of our campuses. If you need help from there, just email us from our, from our website. Let us know. Send us a Facebook message. We'll be glad to help you plug in. If you don't live in our Middle Tennessee area, then we will be glad to help you find a, a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting, God-honoring church in your area. And so again, email us from the website, send us a message on Facebook. We will be glad to help you find a church, recommend some churches for you to plug into. Again, thank you for watching today. Uh, we hope God does some incredible things in your life. And remember, what He does in your life, we want you to take that and pour that out into others' lives. And so thank you for being here. God bless you. I hope God does some great things in your life today. So today's Father's Day, and I'm going to preach to you men today. And I got through the, the, uh, uh, the uh, about three-fourths of the way I was preaching through the, the last sermon. In the first service, I was preaching, and uh, about three-fourths of the way through, and I thought, man, this is like, I, I'm like, I'm like, like, you men, you know, and I'm, I want you to know I'm preaching to me too, all right? This is a man sermon. It's, a, it's Father's Day, and we're going to preach to you men. Next week, we're going to preach, uh, specifically, we're going to outline some things about biblical manhood today. Uh, next week, we're going to outline some things about biblical womanhood, and you men need to be here for that one, especially probably, all right? So, uh, so we're going to look at, you ever heard those, uh, or, or seen those church bulletin bloopers, you know, the proofread fails, where somebody neglected to do a good job proofreading it, and you get things like this, a church put on their bulletin, uh, today at 5 p.m., we're going to have an outdoor hymn sing, S-I-N-G, right? Uh, and they, they said, we're going to have an outdoor hymn sing, bring a blanket, and be prepared to sin, Okay, uh, not what you want to put out as a church. Uh, another one said, uh, women's Bible study this Thursday morning at 10 a.m. All women are invited to lunch after the BS. Okay, so, uh, you know, definitely a proofread fail there. Uh, one said, uh, don't forget the yard sale coming up. It's a good chance to get rid of anything around your house not worth much. Ladies, don't forget your husbands. And so, uh, you know, definitely a proofread fail. But here's the problem with that, as funny as it is, is many women think most men are pretty worthless in our world. And what's sadder is, more sad than that is, many, most men aren't doing anything to prove that wrong, especially in our Me Too world that we live in today, right? I mean, manhood is definitely in a state of confusion. You see, we really don't know what a good definition of manhood is. We don't know when you become a man in our world and what is a man. It's different for different people. And so, therefore, men really don't know what to do. They don't know how to think and they don't know how to act. And when men don't know how to act, they act cray-cray, right? And, and so there, there's a whole lot of men in our world today showing us what not to do as a man. Uh, they're boys uh, walking around uh, with a, an ID that says they're a man, but they're really not. But there's very few men who are showing us the way. 
And so today, when you leave on Father's Day, uh, I hope you have more knowledge of what it means to be a biblical man, and I hope that you understand uh, some more things that will help you have a greater impact in our world. Now, a few years ago here at LifePoint, we went through uh, a thing called men's fraternity, and through that, uh, we learned that the definition of manhood uh, is, uh, we, we sort of had a definition of manhood there. Robert Lewis, who wrote the, the stuff, he says that a, a, a manhood is defined as a man is, is one who, uh, who rejects passivity, uh, accepts responsibility, lead, leads courageously, and expects the greater reward. And so we're going to sort of look at some of that today. I'm not going to use that or preach that, but we're going to look at some of that, and hopefully you're going to understand that that is a great definition of biblical manhood, all right? Now, we're going through the book of Judges, and actually we're spending the summer, rather than going verse by verse through the whole book of uh, Judges expositionally, what we're doing is we're looking at characters. It's basically character studies of the different judges that God used to redeem Israel uh, because they were oppressed and under subjugation because of their willful disobedience and sinful rebellion. And he raised up these judges. And so we've talked about a few. And today the plan was to talk about Deborah, who was the woman judge, the female judge, right? And uh, one of the greatest women in the Bible that really gives us a picture of what biblical womanhood is all about. But you know what I thought today is Father's Day and it would, uh, to talk about a biblically strong woman on Father's Day would be kind of weird. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, rather than talking about Deborah the leader, we're going to talk about Deborah the songwriter. Because here's what happened. You still think, well, that's pretty weird. We're still talking about a woman on Father's Day. Well, here's what happened. In Judges chapter 4, Israel's again under subjugation. Israel's again rebelled against God. And uh, they are oppressed uh, by uh, another uh, group of people. And what happens is no man will step up. And so... Uh, Deborah leads them to victory, annihilates the Canaanites. You know, uh, finally, we don't hear of them anymore. And so she does what a man won't do, steps up and leads Israel. Okay, we'll talk about that next week and see what her life and what it means to biblical womanhood and all that. But here's what happened in chapter 5. In chapter 5, to commemorate that victory, she wrote a song. And she sings a song. That was one of the ways they passed on the truths of God and what God had done. So she writes this song. And what she does in this song is she praises God because he's the one who gave victory. She praises God for bringing them out of Egypt and leading them through uh, the wilderness and Mount Sinai. She talks about all that. She praises God. And then what she does in this song is she rebukes the men who didn't show up to fight the battle, and she praises those who did. And in, in all of that, we see some things about biblical manhood, I think. And so, so that's what we're going to look at today. And hopefully when you leave, you're going to have a lot more knowledge about what that is and what it looks like and, 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 and how it applies to your life. And so let's dive in. We're going to look at Judges chapter 5. And I'm going to sort of bounce around today rather than going through it, uh, you know, in order. Because what I want to do is I, you'll, you'll understand when we get to the end why I did that. So let's look at verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8, I'm sorry. In verses 6 through 8, it says, in the days of Shamgar. Now, Shamgar was a judge, and uh, we read, he's got one verse, one whole verse. Uh, Verse 31 of of chapter 4 is the verse about Shamgar. One verse, but some pretty important stuff in that one verse. We'll talk about that later when we talk about some of the more minor judges like Othniel and Shamgar. Uh, So in the days of Shamgar, and uh, it says, the son of Anoth, in the days of Jael, Next week, we'll learn who Jael is. She's a woman, another woman. She actually is the one who drove a tent stake through the head of Sisera, the general of the Canaanite army, and great story, and we'll learn about that. So she said, the days of Shamgar, the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned, and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose 
I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Now, this is very important. It says, when new gods were chosen, she's telling you why they were afraid to travel and didn't want to live in the villages. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. And then get this, men, was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? Basically, here's what she says. She says, she gives us in these two verses a description of the sad state of Israel. Their state of the union address was in horrible disarray. She said they had rejected God once again. They had chosen new gods. They, they had rejected uh, the one true God who redeemed them from Israel, the one true God who led them, who gave them the promised land. They had rejected God, and they began to serve and worship idols. And as a result, it brought personal disaster, and it brought national disaster. Uh, they were so uh, in disarray that she said that the nobody wanted to travel the streets because they were afraid uh, because the crime was off the charts. They were raping, murdering, pillaging, stealing. Uh, it was just, it was huge. Uh, the crime rate was just out of the world. So they were afraid to travel the streets because they were afraid of getting jumped and beaten and murdered. They were afraid to live in the villages, isolated from uh, the town. So they wanted to be among the people because they were afraid. I mean, it was Mad Max to the max, okay? It was Mad Max to the max. They were once again enslaved by sin and they were enslaved because of sin and immorality, wickedness, evil, crime was off the charts, which led to personal disaster and national disaster. And she said war was at the gates. But here's was her question. She said war was at the gates because of their sin and their rebellion because it did bring disaster. But she said, was shield or spear to be seen in all of Israel? Here's what she said. Where's the men? Where's the men? She says all the stuff's going on and people are complaining about the world. And, and, and you know that they complained about what was going on. I mean, you know that they looked out. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't get their news from Twitter or Facebook or turn on the, the, the 6 o'clock evening news and watch the news like we watch the news and find out what's going on around the world. They looked out their window. That was the world. Uh, they knew I can't travel on the highways. I can't go to Mamaw's for dinner. I, you know, I, I don't want to live out in the country. i got to be around people because it's a crazy, wicked world. It, the world has just gone crazy. Uh, everybody was complaining about it, but nobody was doing anything about it. Okay? And so she said, look, look at the world we're in. Where's the men? We're at war, and where, where are the men? Where are they at? And so, you know, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same, don't they? I mean, our world has changed drastically since then. As I said, I mean, we got Twitter today, right? We've got social media. We get in a car. We live in a house with air conditioning. We've got Tempur-Pedic mattresses. I mean, things have changed greatly in our dieting and, and in how we live and in what we do for a living. Things, the, but the more things change, the more they stay the same because that picture of Israel that she gave is the picture of America today. Did you realize that today? The, the percentage of people who actively follow Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about people who identify as Jesus is cool. Yeah, I identify as a Christian. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people do that. I'm talking about people who actively follow Jesus. The percentage of people who actively follow Jesus is at its lowest point in our 242-year history as a country. Did you realize that? There were 2.5 million people in America estimated in 1776 the percentage of people who followed Jesus then was much greater than it is today, 
right? I was doing an interview uh, not too long ago with an organization called Leadership Network. They called, we were doing an interview, the guy who was interviewing, we were talking about the difficulty of ministry in today's world. And he said that their research, huge research organization, he said that their research indicates that, uh, their research indicates that America blew by the post-Christian mile marker years ago. Now, let me make sure you understand what a post-Christian society is because America is now officially classified as a post-Christian society. Now, a post-Christian society is not merely a society where the prevailing belief system is atheism or, 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 or whatever. I mean, that can be in a, a post-Christian society, but that doesn't define a post-Christian society. A post-Christian society is defined as a society, as a culture that's rooted in biblical Christian beliefs but now those biblical Christian beliefs have been rejected or worse, forgotten. Now folks, here's what I want you to understand. Our biblical Christian beliefs in America has been rejected and forgotten, okay? I mean, holistically, biblical Christianity has been rejected or forgotten in America. If you look at the studies on the teenagers today who actively follow Jesus, which has, has decreased digressed each generation for the last several generations. It's so low now that it proves that unless something drastic changes, men, listen, unless something drastic changes, we are but one generation, but only a few years away from having more luck finding Sasquatch than a Christian under the age of 20. I mean, it is in dire straits and it is in crisis moment. And the question today is the question that Deborah asks is where are the men? Where are the men? You know, as, as we, as in America, as we neglect and reject God, as we forget the ways of God, what happens is it leads to personal disaster and it leads to national disaster. Because you see, when we reject God, there is no moral absolute to define what's right or wrong. Right or wrong becomes a matter of opinion and it can become a matter of whoever determines the laws, I guess. And I mean, you know, uh, if, if it's legal, you know, does that determine morality? Does legal, illegal determine morality? In other words, just because something is legal, does that make it uh, uh, moral? I mean, did you get, get this? I, I, doing this, I just Googled some law, crazy laws in states. Did you realize in Kentucky, there is a law on the books in Kentucky that says it is illegal for Kentuckians to, to, to not take at least one bath a, a year. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, why'd they have to make that rule, right? Uh, that law. Who, you know, and I thought, who enforces that, right? I mean, is it immoral if they don't? I mean, they stink if they don't, right? But are they immoral if they don't? This, this making, the, the, is breaking the law, is it, is it okay to break a law? Is it morally, you know, if, if you don't get caught? I mean, what determines right or wrong? Who, who are you to tell me it's wrong for me to cheat on my wife if we reject God? Where does that moral standard come from? Who determines that? The, what society, no, what norm determines that? And if the norm changes, is, does, does that change? Who, 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 are you to what, who determines our sexual ethic, right, if, if we reject God? Why are we here? What do we live for? If, if, if we reject God, what, what, what is life all about? And so what that results in, that results in uh, people doing right, What's in their own eyes, as the Bible says, everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, and that leads to personal and national disaster, and we know that that's where we are. Because see, when we reject God, we, we have nothing that guides us as an absolute standard, and so people say, you can't judge me for anything I do. And so therefore, what we have in our world is we have kids having kids. I mean, we live in a world with no moral absolutes by the majority of the people, and so therefore, man, we have people that are really confused about am I a man or am I a woman? 
And, you know, and, and really, to be quite honest with you, it's progressed beyond am I a man or am I a woman to now it can be fluid. You can be either whatever you want to be, and to, tomorrow might be different than today. Miley Cyrus is a great example, right? Miley Cyrus, you know, we define sexuality in terms of heterosexuality, of which I am heterosexuality, right? Uh, homosexuality, bisexuality, you know, I mean, that means you're a switch hitter. I mean, all those kind of things. I mean, you, you, you're ambidextrous, however you want to determine it, but, you know, homosexuality, bisexuality, heterosexuality. Well, she come up, now, now there's a new term called pansexuality, right? Pansexuality, it means, man, it's fluid. It's fluid. It just changes with the moment. I mean, Miley Cyrus says as long as someone is over 18 years old, I don't care if they're a man, if they're a woman, if they're a man who thinks they're a woman, or if they're a woman who thinks they're a man, their whatever their sexual identity does not matter to me. Demi Lovato says the same thing. Okay, now here's the, but, but she did have a moral ab standard. Here's what she said. If they're over 18 and they're human, awesome. Animal, that's wrong. That's what she said. Well, let me tell you, the next generation's Miley Cyrus will not stop an animal. Okay? That's the digression of our society. We're at war, folks. We're at war. That's the digression. When we reject God, when we forget God, there's no moral absolutes. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes, and it leads to personal and national disaster. And here's what's wrong. Here's what happens. People complain. I mean, man, we look out, we see things, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we, we look, did, did you realize, man, that, that homes are fatherless, right? I mean, not, not only are home fatherless, I mean, you, you've got, we're becoming numb to murder. We're becoming numb to terrorism. And we look at mass murders, we're like, ah, man, there it is again. We become numb to it. Did you realize that in the state of Tennessee, there are more prescriptions for opioids than there are people in the state of Tennessee? Folks, we're, we're, we're in a crisis. That's what happens when you reject God and you forget God and there's no moral absolutes. And here's what happens. People look out and they see what's going on. Man, we won't let our kids ride our bike down the street to the neighbors hardly anymore. We, we're afraid for our kids to go into the bathroom by themselves. We're afraid for our kids to go to the swimming pool. All the things that I did when I was, man, there's no way you would do those today. You're letting your kids do that. I mean, it's like our world is like, whoa, and, and, and we complain about it, and it's easy, and we sit around, and we sit around at Hardee's, or we sit around at, you know, at, at, at the water cooler at the office, or we sit around at lunch, and we talk about how the world is going to hell. I mean, and we talk about it, and, it, man, there's all kind of anecdotal evidence to back it up. It's easy. Nobody will argue with that. We talk about it, talk about it, but here's the thing. Nobody's showing up to do anything about it. Very few. I can't say nobody, but very few. Where are the men? Right? Where are the men? Where are the men? That, that's what she asked. And so, men, if you really want to be a, a godly dad, if you want to be a good dad, a godly dad, if you want to be a good godly husband, then if you want to leave your mark on the world, you can't be passive. You have to reject passivity. You have to accept responsibility and lead courageously if you want to be a good, godly dad. If you don't, your kids are going to suffer. Your wife's going to suffer. Your family's going to suffer. Your church is going to suffer. Your city's going to suffer. Your state, your community, your, your, your nation is going to suffer because rejecting God and, and, and being passive in your relationship with God leads to personal and national disaster. That's why Deborah rebuked the men who were AWOL. Where's the men, she said. Where's the men? Let's go, let, me, let me go back and read 15B, the, the last part of 15. We'll come back and read the, the first part of 15 in a moment. But let's look at 15B through, eight, through 17. Here's what she said. Among the clans of Reuben, Reuben was one of the Transjordan tribes. Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. 
Man, they, 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 they thought about some things. Why did you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Sounds like she repeated herself. She did for a reason. We'll talk about that. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher, Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by the landings. So as, as, as we look, here's what she starts to do. Uh, she looks at this and she says, where are the men? We were at war and not a sword or a shield was found in all of Israel. Where are the men? And then she begins calling names. <laughs> I mean, she begins calling names and she says, Reuben. Reuben had great searchings of heart. She said that twice. Now, the first time she said that is the word Chok, it's C-H-O-K, and here's what it means. It means it's used 88 times in the Old Testament, and it means a, a conviction, a statute, uh, right? It, it means a precept. In other words, here, here's what, I don't know if they found the word uh, or, or what, but they had a conviction. They looked out, they saw what was going on, they knew where there was a call to war, and they said, we really are, have a responsibility to help our brothers out. We need to do this. We need to go to war right? We need to step up to the plate as men. We need to pick up our shield. We need to pick up our spear and we need to head to the battle lines. That's what they knew. That was their conviction. They were convicted. That's good. Conviction's a good thing. Okay. They were convicted, but then she asked a question. She says they had great certainty, great choke, right? Great conviction that they need to do something. But why did you stay with the sheep? In other words, she said, you didn't show up. You see, they had great conviction Man, they thought, we got to do this thing, right? I mean, man, our people, is in, it, it, our people are in danger. I mean, we've got to step up. We've got to, we've got to join this thing. It's our responsibility. Uh, and so they rattled their sabers. Man, they, they, they did the Viking clap, you know. I mean, they got fired up. They did the Viking clap. We're going to go. They went into the, to the locker room, dressed for battle, put on their jock strap, and never came out of the locker room. It didn't show up. And so she says, Reuben had great searchings of heart a second time. Now, that second time is a different word. It's the word chekur. Uh, it's C-H-E-Q-E-R. And that means, here's what the first time meant that they, they really searched their heart and thought, we got a responsibility. we got to step up to the plate. But then they really began to search their heart and think, oh, if we do, man, we got to leave our family. we got to leave our flocks, our business. I mean, man, there, there's a lot involved here. i got to give up some things. And I don't really want to give up anything. And so they just didn't show. Then she says, Dan stayed uh, with the ships and Asher at the landings. And what's she talking about there? Gilead just didn't show at all. Dan stayed with the ships, Asher at the landings. What's she talking about? Well, she's talking about the, the seaports and what happened in the seaports. Well, that was commerce. That was business. That was the shipping industry. So what she's saying is they were more concerned with business ventures and making money than they were with showing up to defend God's people and getting involved in the war. That's what she was saying. Their country needed them. Their people needed them. Their country needed them. God's glory was at stake. The souls of the people were at stake. And they did nothing. They did nothing. And, and she rebuked them and said, where were the men? Folks, make no mistake about it. Today, we're at war. We're at war, men, for the souls of our kids. We're at war for the survival of our family. We're at war uh, for our grandkids and those who follow us. We're at war today. And we're just a few short years away from, as I said, be, uh, finding no Christians under the age of 20. We're at war. And he, you know, here's what I really believe. I believe that most men in America, 
okay? We look out and we see that as men. And here's what I believe. Most men in America, we have choke. We have this searchings of our heart that says something's wrong. Something's wrong and we need to do something about this. We rattle our saber a little bit. Man, we can do the clap, the Viking clap. We can get, you know, we can get fired up. And man, we wanna do something. I believe most men, I believe, I believe if you've got anything within you as a man, you feel that way, okay? But then I believe that most men have checker. I believe that most men begin to think about what they have to give up. Most men begin to think about the, the business or they make, begin to make excuse after excuse about, well, I, I, I'm too busy. You know, I'm too tired. I come home and I'm too tired to pray and read, pray and sing with my kids. I'm just too tired. I don't know how to read, pray and sing with my kids. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm afraid to ask a question. I don't know uh, how to answer from the Bible or, you know, I, I'm just, maybe you're just lazy. I don't know what it is. We make excuse after excuse. I believe that there's great conviction within our hearts as men that something's wrong and we need to do something. But I believe that way too many men, the majority of men, have that great searching of the heart, that chakur that just says, man, somebody else needs to do it because I just don't have time. I just don't have the ability. I just can't get involved. Let's leave it to the government. The government needs to throw money at it. Let's leave it to the church. Isn't that why we hire the pastors for? I mean, let's leave it to the boys club. Let's leave it to, I mean, surely somebody's gonna step up and do something about it around here, right? But me, I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna make excuse after excuse. And folks, here's what you need to understand. Real biblical manhood rejects passivity Real biblical manhood accepts responsibility and real biblical manhood leads courageously. Where are the men? More personally, I would say, are you a biblical man, right? Now remember, here, here's the thing about these people. Remember these, these tribes that didn't show up. Remember when Moses led them to the brink of the promised land after 40 years of wandering. They were wandering for 40 years. They got to the brink of the promised land before Moses died and Joshua picked up the mantle and led them across. Here's what happened. They haven't crossed the Jordan yet. That Joshua does that after he picks up the mantle uh, and, and takes them. So they're on, they're on this side of the Jordan, right? Before they enter the promised land, they're about to go across the Jordan. Then they're, they're gonna go and, 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 and they're going to fight uh, Jericho. God's gonna fight for them. Walls fall down, they go into the promised land. Before you have these tribes that come up to Moses and they say, Moses, we've made it here. We're about to go into the promised land that God's promised. Can we stay on this side of the Jordan? Because the land was so good for grazing. And you know, you're in an agrarian society, shepherding sheep, animals, pretty land for grazing, it's very important. Can we stay on this side of the Jordan? Moses got mad. Okay, it, that didn't set well with Moses, the leader. I mean, because he said, are you kidding me? Basically, he said, we've made it this far. You've made it to the brink of the promised land. We're about to go in and go to war for this land. And you are gonna sit here while your brothers go to war and you're gonna do nothing? He said, you want the benefit of the land without the responsibility of fighting for it, basically. And so they said, oh, oh okay, okay, no, 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 no. We'll go fight, but can we come back and have this land? After we go and fight, Moses said, okay, if you go fight, you can come back in and, and, and have this land. And he gave it to them, but get this. As a result of that, they were the furthest people from the church, okay? They were the per furthest people from worship. They distanced themselves because other things mattered more than worship. Other things mattered more than being in the central part of where worship was going to take place. That first generation did okay, but then they didn't teach their kids. Their kids forgot about God. So you had an entire generation grew up where it rejected God, forgot about God. They were distanced from God and God's people. And folks, listen, they're the ones that didn't show up. They didn't show up when it mattered, and they were the, among the first to fall. 
Folks, listen to me. In America today, all over America today, people who claim to be church members, which if you are a church member in churches, the requirement here in this church and in most churches is there's, there's, there's one requirement to become a member, and that is you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You have to surrender your life to his lordship right? Become a Christian. Now, we can't look into anyone's heart, so we have to take someone's confession on that, and we know that uh, that's not always the, uh, an accurate thing, but you have to be a, a member of the church, you have to be a believer, okay? So, so here's what we know. Most members of churches who are people who claim to follow Jesus, one out of four, and some estimates say one out of five Sundays is the average attendance for church for people who claim to know Jesus, Man, there's so many reasons. There's so many excuses. I mean, man, there's business. I mean, I gotta work. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. There's, also, there's seasons to where you're gonna have to work, okay? But if this is your life, it's way out of order. Something's more important to you than God. There's, there's ball. Listen, man, I've got kids, I know. And there's seasons, if this is your life, Something's way out of order, right? And so, so listen, there's anything, there's everything, there's something that takes the place. People are distancing themselves from God and from God's people. And let me tell you what's happening. It leads to disaster. It leads to disaster. When you distance yourself from God and from God's people, it leads to personal disaster and it leads to national disaster. But let's look at 5-2. Five two, she's gonna. I, I, you see, I'm sort of bouncing around in this chapter because what I wanted to do is I wanted to look first at the men that she rebuked for not showing up, and now I want to look at the men she praises. Right? She rebuked those who were passive, those who were passive, those who didn't accept responsibility, those who didn't lead courageously, those who didn't do anything. Just let somebody else do it. I, I, you know, they were at war. They didn't show up. She rebuked them. Let, let's, let's begin to look now at five two. She said this: that the leaders took the lead in Israel that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Now, hold on a minute. I, I, wanna, I wanna make sure you understand this phrase. That phrase, offered themselves willingly. People offered themselves willingly. Very important theological concept for this church. You know what that word is? Volunteers. Here's what God's saying. I love the University of Tennessee. <laughs> Y'all were, y'all boy, I better zone in. It's important for this church. He said, I love the volunteers. I'm a volunteers fan. Some of you, some of you Kentucky and Alabama fans are like, well, God, I would have thought if God was a big fan, y'all wouldn't have stunk so bad in football. Well, God disciplines his people, and I think these have been sanctifying years. Okay? <laughs> so, anyway, I, I'm just joking there. She noticed what she did. She said, Here, here's what a woman does, a good, godly, biblical woman. You know what she did? She praised God for leaders that led and men that stepped up to the plate. Bless the Lord. That, you know what a good, godly woman will bless God and praise God and be thankful to God when a good, godly man leads in a good, godly way? Did you know that? I mean, that, that, that's what we see. And so, so, so she, she, she praises those who rejected passivity and accepted responsibility and led courageously, who stepped up to the plate and answered the call to war and said, man, there's a problem. We're going to do something about it. Man, she said, thank the Lord for those guys, she said. Look at verse 9. In verse 9, she says this. My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. There she is again, man, praising God. 
for men who lead, praising God for men who step up to the plate and say, something's wrong and I'm going to be the one who does something about it. Right? Look at 14 and 15. In 14 and 15, it says this. From Ephraim, their root, they marched down into the valley, following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. From Makur, marched down, to the command, marched down the commanders. And from Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princess of Issachar come with Deborah. And Issachar, faithful to Barak, in the valley they rushed at his heels. Right? And so, so here, she, there were 12 tribes in Israel. 12 tribes. And out of those 12 tribes, one was, one was sort of split in half, right? And so out of those 12 tribes, five and a half showed up to fight the battle. Six and a half did nothing. When I, when I, when I realized that, she starts naming names and she starts saying, man, these tribes showed up. These tribes did not. They did nothing. And when I realized that, I thought, man, what she just named was about 50% of the men almost. Right at 50, 48, 50% 50 of the men. Close to 50% of the men. And I thought, 50% of the men? And then I thought, oh, Lord, how awesome would it be if 50% of the men would show up today? You see, listen, there's nowhere near 50% of the men showing up today, I don't think. Where are the men? Where are the men? Ephraim, now think about Ephraim. She praises Ephraim. She praises Ephraim. Ephraim. If anyone had an excuse not to show up, it was Ephraim. Ephraim was surrounded by the um, mighty Amalekite warriors. They were surrounded. They had battles of their own, right? They had battles in their backyard. So they could have sent word to Deborah and Barak, who was the leader. So they could have sent word and said, we would love to help you out, but we can't because we're in a war of our own here. And she would have said, okay, I mean, I understand. But you know what? They said, we're in a war of our own, but we're living for something greater than my comfort, greater than me. We're living for something more. We're showing up, right? And then, uh, you know, they, they had all these tribes had their own struggles, but they came to fight for the glory of God and for the souls of the people. And then in verse 18, in verse 18, she says this. She says, Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. Naphtali on the heights of the field. Zebulun laid it all on the line. Man, she says, praise God. This is like Memorial Day, right? You know, our Memorial Day, we just celebrated last month. On Memorial Day, we stop and we give remembrance and thanksgiving for the men and women who died in battle. That's what she's doing. She says, let's remember, let's remember these valiant warriors who gave everything, who laid it all on the line. Let's remember Zebulun who, who, who laid it on the line. Naphtali, you know what Naphtali is or, or what they said? They said they fought in the high places. They came and said they fought in the high places. The high places was where the battle was the thickest and the blood flowed hard, deep. I mean, it was the hardest place to go. Naphtali shows up and man, they come in and they say, listen, we're here to fight and we want to go where nobody else is going. That's where it's the hottest. Send us there. You're like, whoa, man, these are warriors, right? I mean, these are men like, you know, in the mission field when we have missionaries because we have people that, that God says, man, I want, I want you to give your life to vocational missions. We believe at LifePoint when God saves you, he saves you to send you. Every one of you, if you're a Christian, you're a missionary in the fact that God saved you to send you. Some of you, he sends you into your office, to your school, across the street. Some of you, he sends across the ocean for, to be a vocational missionary. 
right? The mission's the same. Application's different, but the mission's the same. We're all saved to be saved, but some he calls into vocational missions. And some he calls, they come into vocational missions, man, they're going here, here, and, and, and man, we have some that God calls out, and they say, you know what? I want to go where it's the hardest place to go. They're called closed access country, uh, places like Myanmar, where they literally kill Christians. That's where I want to go share the gospel. It's like, whoa, man, I mean, that guy, that's a warrior, right? I mean, all, everybody who shows up is a warrior. But it's like, that's what Naphtali said. Na, she says Naphtali showed up and went to the high places. I mean, they went to the high places in the field. They went where the, where, where the blood flowed and, because no one else wanted to go and they wanted to do hard things. And folks, listen, our kids and our families need men who's going to show up. They need men who's going to show up and say, here I am. And, and, and listen, you, you think, some of you think, I don't know the word. These guys showed up and they didn't know the word either. You gotta remember where they were as a nation. Man, they had forgotten God. They had rejected God. They were serving other gods, right? Their parents neglected to teach them the things about God. So you think, I, I don't know the God's word. They didn't either. You think, man, I don't have the skill. These guys were farmers and shepherds. Man, they knew how to handle ox goads, right? They were farmers and they were shepherds. But they said, I, they had never been trained in like, man, I, or, or that, this generation, Right? I mean, we even hear in, in, uh, in, in, in chapter 4 where God said, I'm not driving them out. You're not going to drive them out. I'm not driving them out for you so they can test you because this generation don't know war. They, hadn't, they, they knew how to farm. They didn't know how to fight. Men, there's no excuses for you not showing up. They showed up. They showed up, guys. They showed up and, 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 and they led the charge and we need men who's going to stand say, I'm going to show up because there's war and the war's on my family and the war's on my kids and the war's on my grandkids, the war's on our society and then I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to read and I'm going to pray and I'm going to sing with my kids. I don't know how to sing. These guys didn't know how to swing a, swing a, a sword or, or throw a spear or even handle a shield, but they showed up. I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to Guys, you got to show up. We need men that's going to say, I'm going to show up and I'm going to read and I'm going to pray and I'm going to sing. I'm going I'm to get on the My House worship sessions and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them on and I'm going to sing them with my kids. Right? We need men, that, we need men that's going to step up and say, you know what? They're like Naphtali. Here's the Naphtali. You know, it's not just I want to go. I mean, I want to go to somewhere hard and share the gospel. That's great, man. We need some of you to do that. But we need some of you to stand up and say, send me to lead the church. I want to lead the men in the church. I want to be that kind of example to the church. We need, we need some Naphtali cop men here, right? That's what we need if, this, if we're going to turn the, the war that's going on. We need men to stand up and answer the call to war. And here's what, here's what uh, Deborah proves. Deborah praises them. And guys, that's what happens. When w women and children are blessed, here's what you need to know. Women and children are blessed when men lead. Get this, when men lead, women and children and the society is blessed. But when men don't lead, women and children and society is cursed. But let me tell you something even more damaging. When men lead, women, men and, women and children and society bless the Lord. But when men don't lead, women, children and society curse the Lord. Guys, it's your responsibility. 
It's your response. We're going to talk about womanhood next week, and it ain't what you think or what you've heard, what the media makes out. You know, we Christians, you don't believe about It's not it at all. You don't, don't buy the junk that you read about from, from uh, you know, dime store theologians who think they know what the Bible says. I read an article yesterday uh, from, from in, 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 I think it was the Tennessean, and, 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 you know, it was about, it was some truth and a whole lot of bad commentary and exegesis and eisegesis. And you, 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 listen, uh, we, we want to talk about what womanhood is, and we'll raise it up up here at life point okay we raise it up and men and women are completely equal created in equality and women should lead and women should teach and and we're gonna we, we raise it up at life point okay we're gonna talk about that next week but guys you got to understand we do uh, we're equal but we have a different role and God has given you the role to lead and influence and you and when you don't Listen, that's what Deborah did. She said men want women. She, she rebuked men who wouldn't because women had to, and she, she praised those who did, and that's what happens when men lead. Guys, you're never going to look more sexy to your wife than when you lead. You're never going to be more of a hero to your kids than when you step up and lead. I promise you. I promise you. And we need men who's going to lead. She calls them. And she, uh, to, to people to remember, to, to praise those who fought and the, 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 those who gave their all and, and, and those who rejected passivity, those who accepted responsibility and those who led courageously. You know, I was, I, here, here's the thing, and you know, I, I preached through all, I, I going through all this sermon and I, I began to think, you know what, you know what the problem is? I preached all this sermon and, and I, I got thinking, you know what, I, a couple of things, I, I think one, how, what does men do to step up? One, you got to care for your own soul, guys. How do you start this? You get in the word. You get with God's people. You love God, love God's word, love God's people. You get with God, get in God's word and get with God's people. You do care for your own soul. That's where you begin, man. And then you just show up. Let's read, pray, and sing. Your kid has a question you don't know. I don't know, son. Man, we're going to find that out together as we keep doing this over the years. We'll discover this together. I don't know, but we'll discover it together. I can't sing a lick, but my kids love it, right? Not just because I can't sing, because, you know, my kids come to me and say, Dad, can we do family worship tonight? Right? And it's not just because they're the preacher's kids. Preacher's kids are some of the worst around, if you, if you, you know, right? I mean, man, they got, they're sinners too, I promise you. And listen, I got, got through this and I got to thinking, you know what? This is, I write this whole sermon and, and think through this whole sermon and realize, you know what? Most men in here don't even realize we're at war. Most men in our country don't even realize we're at war. We talked about answering the call to war and most men don't even realize we're at war. There are no bombs dropping in my front yard, right? I mean, there's no, there's no war, there's no siren sounding saying the war's, you know, there's war. I mean, hiding, we're not hiding in bunkers and most men don't realize they're at war. When we come home from work and we're tired and we turn on the TV, we don't realize that when the TV's on and man, all of a sudden two women jump into bed together or, or, or uh, two men or a man and a woman jump into bed together and our kids are watching that, it's not a bomb dropping in our front yard, but it's just a sniper just pew, picking off your kids. When we don't understand, when we don't know what's on our kids' uh, playlists, when we don't know what they're watching on their computers and they have unlimited computer time and we have no clue what they're watching, we have no clue what they're listening to, we have no clue who's influencing them, what they're reading, and we just don't understand that a war going on for the souls of our kids. That's, and when you don't teach your kids, I promise you someone will. Someone's going to fill that gap. And most men have no clue we're at war. I want to show you a, a, an image of a house that was at war, okay? Uh, this house 
was at war and you'd say sure it was look a bomb dropped right in the middle of this house because I mean look at it it's destroyed a bomb dropped right in the middle of this house but that's not what happened at all these people had no clue they were at war because you see they weren't in a war zone what happened in this house right here is this house I just googled this morning I googled images of homes eaten by termites this home was eaten by termites it wasn't a bomb that fell in the middle of it. You know what? These people lived in this house. They ate deep meals in this house every day. They slept in this house every night and had no clue that they were at war. And all of a sudden, man, it collapsed on them. It's a great image of what most of our families in America are like today who have no clue we're at war and it's just eating a little bit at a time, sniping until finally it just collapses. Man, we need you to step up and answer the call to war. Woodrow Wilson in 1917, he was known as a guy who didn't want America to go to war. Matter of fact, he's done everything he could to keep America out of war. But he went finally in 1917 before the joint uh, uh, sessions of Congress and he asked for a declaration of war against Germany because he said, and it it surprised people because people said, this is not Woodrow Wilson, but he asked for a a declaration of war against Germany because he, here's what he said, neutrality is no longer feasible or desirable when it comes to peace in the world. You can't be neutral. Folks, I'm telling you men that that's a great quote if you just say spiritually. Passivity, neutrality, is no longer feasible or desirable when it comes to spiritual freedom for your kids, for your family, or in the world. Yesterday, uh, we we went, we're getting ready to baptize, I don't know, nine or 10 folks. We baptized uh, three in the first service, nine or 10 in this service, six at uh, Riverdale, four at the Creek, 20 some folks today were baptizing. Uh, 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 Ezra, my nephew's being baptized in this service and we were on our way home. We went to a little cookout last night and had, went for a little bit, had to get home, take care of Amy or, or see, you know, watch Amy take care of herself, that woman. She's so tough, she does all that. Me, I'm, I have surgery like that, I'm down. Amy, you know, get me everything, right? She gets up, and, and, but we was going home, and, you know, my kids, they like to play this game. I don't know if you ever played it called Would You Rather. Y'all ever play that game with your kids? Would you? I hate that game. It's stupid. Our staff plays that game sometimes, and they're like, hey, let's play Would You Rather. And it's like, would you rather? Th-? I'm like, no, neither. I'm not doing either. It's stupid. So last night, you know, my, my, uh, my uh, Allie Kate said, Dad, let's play Would You Rather on the way home. And I'm like, okay, allocate, let's play would you rather. And I know my Tapan answer, neither. And she said, dad, would you rather? And I said, I'm thinking, here it comes. She said, dad, would you rather have a lot of people at your wedding or a lot of people at your funeral? I, I, I really, she shut the preacher up. I mean, I was, I was. <laughs> Some of you like have her coming to service all the time. Uh, I was expecting, would you rather eat a booger or, you know, 11-year-old. And so, would you rather have a lot of people at your wedding or a lot of people at your funeral? 11-year-old girl, and I went, whoa, this is like, this is like a good question, Allie Kay. This is like deep. 
I, you know, I'm like, well, okay, you know, I, I would like to have a lot of people at my wedding because I want to celebrate my wedding and my, my wife and I want, I want to celebrate the gospel and what marriage represents and let the world see that. But you know what, Allie and when it comes down to it, I, I really want a lot of people at my funeral. She said, why, Daddy? You want people to, to remember you? And I said, well, Allie I, I want to have such an impact on the world that it leaves a void when I'm gone. And I, that's my dream for you. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for all you kids is I want you to have such an impact on the world that it leaves a void when you're gone and that people mourn when you're gone. And guys, I hope that's your dream. And listen, I promise you, you can make a lot of money and give it all away and there might be a people at your funeral, it might be a flashbang, but they're there because you gave them something. Because they needed you for something. They were leeches. All that's good. But let me tell you something, you live for the glory of God and you make an eternal difference in people's life. That won't be a flash in the pan. I hope and I pray that you guys, when you die, you start for the beginning. You start with the end in mind. And when you die, you leave a void in this world. And that will happen. I promise you that will happen. If you step up to the plate and answer the call to war. Read, pray, sing. Read, pray, sing. Start with nourishing your own soul and caring for your own soul. Love, God, love God's word. Love God's people. Don't distance yourself. Worship. Let the world see you raise your hand and declare whose God, God is, yours. Let the world know that. And I promise you, you'll leave a void in this world. You'll leave a, a it'll, it'll be a sucking sound because who's gonna step up and fill that? You raise your boys and your girls to step up and fill that void. Matter of fact, right now, I wanna, I wanna, if you're a dad in here, I want you to all stand. If you're a dad, everybody stand, okay? Remain standing, remain standing, please. Here's what I want you to know, gentlemen, as you remain standing. You're everyone a leader. Some of you say, I'm not. You're a leader. If you've got a wife, if you've got children, you're a leader. If you're a Christian father, let me tell you something. You're a pastor. You're a pastor to your family, okay? And we need to, you know, some of us feel like, man, we're retired. We're AWOL. It's time for us to reengage. All over, if you're watching online, it's time for dads to re-engage and answer the call to war. Okay? And, and, and listen, I'm thankful that the men here, I know some of you men, and I'm thankful this church has got men who are answering that call. And I want to encourage you. And I, it's like Deborah, I praise God for you. Bless God for you men who lead. Bless God. Keep it up. Don't let anything stop you. Now, if you're not a dad, I want all men in here to stand. All, if you're a male... All men stand. Maybe you're not a dad. Maybe one day you will be. Maybe one day you won't be a bio dad. But there we got all kind of kids who need dad. And guys, let me tell you something, okay? Men, and this is what this Me Too world don't understand because men have, have just absolutely dropped the ball on this one all over the world. Men and women are completely equal. We have, we, our rank is the same. Women can lead, women can teach. They're completely, and we're gonna talk about that next week. But guys, God has given you a role to play. And that role is as an influence. Let me tell you something, guys. If we reach a kid, we reach a lot of kids at Vacation Bible School. If we reach a child, there's a 3% chance that we're going to reach the rest of that family, 3%. 
For every child we reach, if we reach a child first, we'll reach three out of every 100 families. If we reach a lady, the lady first, we'll get 17% of the time we're going to reach the rest of that family. If we reach a man, over 95% of those families will be reached. 95%. Guys, that's your role. So we are about men, and we champion men. We want to reach men because we want these women to have a godly man leading and their families to have a godly man. We want you to blow wind in, the, in your wife's sail to help her to lead and teach. And let me tell you something, guys. I promise you, nothing more sexy to a godly woman than a man who will lead from a godly perspective. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that when you die, I don't care the number of people that's at your funeral. I want you, I, when you die, I want there to be a void. I want there to be a sucking sound. It's like, oh no, what are we going to do now? Somebody's got to step up. And if you step up and answer the call to war, that will be you. Father, I love you and I thank you for these men. Thank you, God, for this day we recognize fathers. I, I thank you for the fathers that are, that are here. I thank you for the fathers and the men, Lord, if they're not fathers, the men who step up to the plate and say, I'm going to answer the call to war thank you for those who've done that and I pray that people who are watching online all over today would do that very thing. God, that we would realize that there is a crisis in our country and God, politics are great and we need godly politicians but God, it's Jesus Christ and the heart that's gonna fix that problem and I pray that, that men would step up and say, put me in the hard places. I pray that for Naphtali men, God, to come in and say, go, send me to the hard places. I want to lead the church. I don't just want to read, pray, and sing. I want to lead the church. I want to lead men. I pray for that for these men. I pray that their wives, Lord, that they would so lead their wives that their wives would see such a huge difference in their homes. God, I pray you would break the chains of pornography that, that just enslaves so many men all around our world and even right here today. I pray that whatever chains are just holding them slave, as, as slaves today, Father, as Israel was a slave, I pray that you would break those chains, God, and help them to rise up and serve you and go to war for your glory and the souls of people, the souls of their kids and the survival of their family. God, we love you and praise you and thank you for the men. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, you can go ahead and be seated. We are, uh, now we're gonna, we're gonna take up our tithes, we're gonna take up our offerings, and we're gonna baptize. And uh, we're gonna baptize nine or 10 people. And as we baptize, here's what I want you to understand. Uh, I, I said earlier, right, to become a member of the church, you have to uh, claim to be a Christian. Well, these people have, have given their life to Jesus Christ. And here, I also want you to understand, we don't just baptize anyone. I'm gonna be honest with you. We even make it, uh, we don't make it hard to be baptized, but we really make sure people understand what they're doing because we don't want people to think they're right with God when they really aren't, okay? And so as we baptize these people, uh, they have given their life to Christ. That doesn't mean they're gonna be perfect. Okay, know that. They're gonna still mess up. But we're gonna walk with them and help them become more like Jesus. So we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna celebrate as we baptize them. So guys, take up the offering. Go ahead and start taking up our tithes and offerings. We're gonna sing. I'm gonna come back and baptize. You celebrate. Thank you guys and men. After Travis will dismiss you after the baptisms. Thank you for worshiping with us today. I hope you go. And listen, if, if your dad's not here, you call him. If, if your dad's a believer, thank God for him.
If he's not a believer, pray for him. If you're a dad, you be the kind of dad that, that your kids praise God for, all right? And, and so you go out, have a great Father's Day, and man, we're excited that you're here to celebrate. Let's celebrate through these baptisms together.